Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining today's episode of Carrie Aller and Friends Coffee Chat. Today I have with me my sweet friend Lisa. Hey Lisa. Hi there Carrie. How are you? I'm doing so good today. How about yourself? I'm doing good, doing good. I got the coffee, I got my kids at school, so the house is, you know, pretty quiet, so that's always a good thing. (laughs) That's a good start to the day, I would say. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Like, I am singing that hallelujah music when I drop my kiddos off. I love them dearly, but mama needs some time. (laughs) (laughs) Carrie, it was the same way with my kids. I... You know, they're they're grown now, but our four kids, they were, um, I don't know, the homeschool generation was really popular when my kids were little, but I could not do it. I was one of those that by, like, July 15th was like, when is the school going to open again? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I loved elementary school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is my daughter's last year of elementary, and so I'll have two in middle school next year, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. But, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. Yeah. But, Lisa, I want to start off by just, um, first of all, just saying thank you again for coming on the show today. And if you don't mind, I'd love for you to tell a little bit about um, you and your family and ministry, and then we can kind of go into our questions. Yeah, you bet. So I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I grew up in Oklahoma City. Um, I've been married. I'm just thinking this because my anniversary is coming up. So almost 27 years, which that's is awesome. just a huge accomplishment. Um, I come from a family that's just a long line of divorce. So I'm the only one that's ever stayed married this long. And so, but we have four kids. You know, when our four kids were born, we had four kids that were age three and under because I have a set of twins in the middle. And so I literally just had this cluster of kids, super fast, but I've survived it because they're grown. They're like productive citizens. Yeah. <laughs> are almost all out of college. And so that's super fun to watch their lives unfold. Um, my husband and I, we pastor a church here in Tulsa called Faith Church, and we have been here at this church for, um, oh goodness, about 15 years. When we got married, he was a youth pastor, so I married into the ministry, and then we pastored in Norman for about five years, and then we have been here ever since. And so that keeps us super busy. Absolutely, absolutely. So you married a youth pastor, huh? I did. (laughs) I did. I I always say I I fell in love with the man. I had no idea what I was getting into with ministry. (laughs) completely clueless. I wasn't raised in church, so I wasn't one of those that set out to like marry a pastor or had aspirations of being a pastor's wife and being in ministry. I just like jumped in without realizing what I was getting into. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was a youth pastor for a few years. So, um, and a children's pastor for many years. So I, Totally, totally, like, I just want to say I appreciate you and what you do because I know the spouses, you guys are our anchors for sure. (laughs) So we appreciate you guys. So, Oh, well, thank you. Well, you know, you've spent some time in the ministry, so you know for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And my husband, you know, bless his heart. Like, you know, when you're a youth pastor, you got to do all kinds of weird things to try to bring the word of God to these kids to get their attention. And so... He has been very patient through all my shenanigans. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good man right there. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, okay, so I am so excited to talk about your book, Courageously Uncomfortable. And, 
You know, I love that title. How did you come up with that? You know, I, I didn't have the title when I was first writing or I, I was one of those that I threw around a lot of different things and couldn't figure out where that title was going to land until I was about three chapters in. And I just realized that as the direction I was writing and how I was going is that we are always trying to move forward and we're held back when we are not moving forward because we're uncomfortable. And so I just realized that if you're going to live the life that God has planned for you, like your best life, you're going to have to move forward in courage, even though you're uncomfortable. And so I just kind of kept coming back to that. You have to, you have to go, even though you might not ever be comfortable with it, because that was my life. Every time I step on stage to speak, I'm still uncomfortable, but I'm trying to do it with courage in spite of that. So it just kind of meshed into that. And once I I wrote courage and uncomfortable in the same sentence. It just kind of hit. And I thought, that's it. I love it. That's what life looks like for me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. Like, because, you know, when we do things for the Lord and when God asks us to step out and to do things, I mean, it is not comfortable, you know, and God didn't call us to be right. comfortable. So um, I just love your title. And, okay, so what inspired you to write the book about being courageously uncomfortable? Well, I had this you know, nudge to begin to write a book back in 2008. And I didn't think I would always be a writer. It wasn't one of those kind of things. It just had the Lord putting things on my heart. A lot of what I had overcome in life, but how I was managing in life today, just putting some stories and into a book and moving women forward. And because that's what my life always looks like. But I put it aside for the longest time and it came back this last year. So, um, but I think when you're writing a book, you're writing from the place where you've been. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 it probably even comes out in people who write fiction books in some way. <laughs> they see themselves in the story. Yeah. But in this book, of course, I just, when I was writing from my heart and I knew I, I'd spent the last few years, you know, speaking to women and, and speaking in church and my heart just opened wide for the women who just, need to believe that they have a purpose and a plan and they find themselves stuck and they, they need some courage to move forward. And so that's how I naturally speak anyways. And so when I was writing the book, that is just what was coming out is just reaching that person who is fearful, maybe insecure, struggles with comparison, uh, you know, so many of those different things that hold us back in life. And so it just seemed like a natural progression because it was all that I had felt like I had overcome and or still constantly working on in my own life, you know, and yeah. I think I'm maybe just a few steps ahead of the next person. Oh, I love that. To these issues. Yeah, I love that so much. And okay, so this is amazing too. I love this question that you actually write at the end of every chapter in your book, but you ask, what girl do you want to be? If you think about that question, it's like, man, what do I want to be? You know, and uh, what is the yeah. significance of that question, would you say? Yeah, so I just realized in my own life that it, you know, because fear of being uncomfortable or embarrassed or making a wrong decision or, you know, all of those kinds of things were like the core of what was holding me back in my own life. And so I came to this realization that you can never really leave a place of comfort if you don't first decide what girl you want to be. And so I would be like, I don't, I don't want to be the girl that always stops short or shrinks back on the sidelines because she's afraid or because she, 
you know, is afraid someone might find out something in her past or she thinks she's not as good as the next person or she doesn't have any talents. That's not the girl that I want to be. I want to be the girl that knows that even though she's afraid, she can still take a step because God is leading her to do it. And so if you're going to leave comfort behind, you're going to have to decide that that's the girl you want to be. And so I put that in the book because, you know, the ministry that I run and even in our church is called She Knew, and it's about she she knew that God was with her, that he has plans and he has purposes because you have to know. You have to be a girl that knows those kinds of things. So put those questions at the end of every chapter that just help you think through and reflect what girl do you want to be in this life because really we get to decide. Absolutely. We really do. We get to decide. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I heard this quote and they said, uh, and I can't remember who it was, but they said the fear of falling short is nothing compared to stopping short. And so I love that. Um, and because, you know, we do, we get afraid and we're like, Lord, I I don't know what's going to happen, but you know, if we don't even try, like we are missing out on the greatness that God wants to bless us with and, uh, and grow us in. So I, I love that so much. And okay, yeah. so you refer yourself as the unpastor's wife. Can you tell me more about that? <laughs> yes, Carrie. I knew when I married, uh, you know, married that good-looking youth pastor that I was so <laughs> in love with, but had no idea what it was to be a pastor's wife. I, you know, I've been the type of person, you know, I'd all, I pretty much supported myself since I was fourteen. So. I could get a job. I could, you know, I felt like I could just like muscle through and handle anything, but I was not prepared for church and for ministry. Um, I realized quickly that I was like the most ungifted person that had ever walked through the doors of a church. Like (laughs) the last person you would want as a pastor's wife. I had no obvious gifts or usable talents for the church. I mean, this is the the language that was always going through my head. Lisa, you can't sing, Mm. you don't play any kind of instruments, you don't talk to people well, because I was so fearful and insecure. I just felt like I couldn't put two sentences together to really have good conversations with people. And certainly when it became to ministry things and, you know, prayer, it was, I was so afraid to pray out loud. You know, I would have to show up late. I would show up late for like even a baby shower because I would think to myself, what if I'm the, the first like pastoral staff wife to get there and somebody asks me to pray over the cake? <laughs> I'm like, well, I can't do that. It would just strike such fear in me. I would show up late. I would hide behind my kids and stay busy so that nobody would ask me to do things within the church. And I had just convinced myself that I could be a wife and I could be a mom, but I really just couldn't be successful at the pastor's wife thing. So I just mm. thought, I'm like an unpastor's wife. You know, I'm just no good at this. And I lived with that language in my head for a long time, mm. um, unfortunately. But thankfully, got on the other side of it. Yeah, girl. And, you know, there's so much power in our words. And I don't think people Mm -hmm. realize like the power that you have, um, because we can become, you know, our self-fulfilled prophecy, you know, like just what we speak over ourselves, man, the unpastor's wife. I just, wow. That's really powerful, girl. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, um, now I think of it in a different way. I still think you're an unpastor's wife because that because you, and I'll tell myself these things, I do believe in just the power of your mind. Like you are the most unlikely person that could be um, 
uh, pastor's wife and you are doing a great job. <laughs> I have to tell Aww. myself things like that because yeah. the unlikely really does become likely in the hands of God because Amen. that's what he does. He just, nothing is impossible and he can just take the most unlikely girl and put her in places she never even dreamed she could be. Amen. Amen. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you look at Jesus's like family tree, there's many <laughs> unlikely or unusable people in, in the family tree there. And, uh, and in the Bible, just all these people that God used in a big way that, um, you know, in our mind, you know, and in the world standards would be unusable, but God does use us. Right. Yes, he sure does. That's amazing. Well, okay, so you talk about overcoming a past of alcoholism, abuse, and abortions after years of hiding the truth. How did you find the courage to speak about your past, like when you go to talk to people and in your book? Yeah, you know, when you're held back by fear in your life and certainly exposing painful choices, and, you know, we all come with some kind of a past. And I brought it into the church and thought, wow, I'm going to have to hide this forever because nobody will ever understand where I came from in life. But as I, as I just began to sit in front of one woman at a time, watching other people slowly start to show up or say something, I realized just that power we have in realizing that we're not alone. And so I learned in my life as I began to just share, I think it's like a process of simple vulnerabilities. Like sometimes we can't just dump our whole life out there. Right. But as we begin to give over a part, understanding that it's not about us, it's helping somebody else. I really had to get on the other side of me, you know, like yeah. it's not all about you. It's about what can God can do through you for the benefit of other people. Mm. So I just had to get to that place. But as I began to um, say things about my past and what I had been through and watch other women think, wow, I had no idea. And if she can, I can too. And I can deal with this because here's an example of somebody who did. Those kind of things became a powerful driving force in my life that allowed me to get over myself and my fear and begin to step out there. And I still am uncomfortable when I'm sharing about what I've been through. I'm not just comfortable and happy about all of the things in my past, Mm -hmm. but the power of sharing it anyways just unlocks the person in front of you or the group in front of you or whoever you're speaking to, to begin to step into freedom for themselves. And that is what just began to move me forward. I thought, okay, there's, there's so much more to this than just me and what I've overcome, but it's so usable for God to help his people move forward in their own life. And so I just, I just made a choice. God worked on my heart and just gave me opportunities to begin to share and Mm -hmm. open up and allow me to witness how his power is working in that way. And then you can keep going. When you start to see that and how God is using your story, despite the pain you've been through, it gives you, uh, it opens up your heart. It's like it awakens it to think, okay, I'm going to do more of this. I'm going to be okay here. I wake up the next day and I'm still alive. I didn't die from that. So, okay, let's go. Let's do this again. I love that. And, you know, when we are vulnerable and when we are authentic, it gives other people permission, just like you said. And it gives them kind of like an outlook like, oh, you know, I can like do things for the Lord because this person is and, you know, the fear and the past does not define who that person is and what they are capable of through Jesus, you know, and 
Um, so I think that's really, really powerful because there's so many people I feel that, you know, are being quiet and not allowing themselves to be vulnerable. And so it's not allowing themselves really to get to the full potential of what God has for them because God wants to use them in big ways, but you know, we get the choice to either allow him to use us or not. And so I'm so thankful that you're allowing the Lord to use you in a mighty way. Well, I appreciate that. I just know that, you know, if we just keep quitting every time we're uncomfortable, we really will experience, like you were saying, it's the bare minimum of what God has placed us here to do because we are the ones talking ourselves out of those things all the time. And I just came to that realization that I don't want a bare minimum life. I want to get to the end and think, okay, I did all that I could, as much as I could, as much as I felt capable of every day. Mm -hmm. I think we can have a a life for Christ that we live, and we can have a full life for Christ that we live. The Bible talks about, I came to give you life and life to its fullest. So we can get to the end of our life, making lots of excuses of why we didn't, Mm. or we can live that full life trying to press forward and, and say, yes, I did I did what I could, courageously, uncomfortably, but I stepped out there. And that's that's the life I'm seeking because that's the life that that isn't about myself at the end of the day, but about all the people that we're surrounded with. Amen. I have this question for you, and I know that, you know, I think about this question too in my own life, and I'll give you my answer in a minute, but I want to hear what you have to say, okay? So what advice would you give your younger self? My younger self? I mean, they're so... <laughs> There's so much. I'm such an overwhelmed person, you know, fearful person, all of those things. I think I would, I would try and relax and say, okay, it's not, it's not as big of a deal as what you're thinking. There's so many times I just want to say, okay, listen, you are putting way more um, emphasis and energy into this thing than in what it needs. And so <laughs> there's so many things like that. But I really think what I would tell my younger self, especially like 20-something-year-old Lisa when I first had my four kids and married into the ministry, like my view of, of God now and how He works in my life and just allowing His power to work through me, like to pray, but when you pray, like back it with the power of the Holy Spirit that what you're, you're believing mm-hmm. what you're praying, yeah. believing what you're saying, believing. I think that was what was missing in that that younger Lisa, you know, I, I loved the Lord when I got married and he had transformed my life. He had taken my sins, my past. I felt free. So I love the Lord, but I can't say that I was praying with any kind of a belief that God was actually now going to do it. You know, it really is like being an unbelieving believer. Mm. So I wish that my kids, when they were little, knew the side of me that I am now. You know, mm-hmm. I wish that when I was praying with my kids at night, when they were young, and when I was just managing through my days with them, that I, I was believing in the power of God, not just who God is and believing that He is Lord and that He saves us from our sins. But I wish that I could tell my younger self, listen, it's more than just that. You have to believe, not just in Him, but believe in His power. Is I think that I would have even raised my kids differently. You know, there's a difference between living the life where you feel like the power of God is working, that you're not just believing what he says, but you are believing in his power. And so uh, I would tell my younger self that I wish I had that um, tenacity in my life then that I have now. 
Amen. I love that. Well, I, I love your answer. And, you know, I would have to say, I would tell my younger self just to stop worrying so much and start trusting God mm-hmm. and believing him for the things that he's put in your heart and be okay with not being okay. Be okay with stepping out of the boat, not knowing what's going to happen. It's going to be okay. And it all works out. Um, and that's what I would have to tell myself and to not people please. I've had a really bad case myself of people pleasing and, uh, you know, worrying about what they think, or did I say this wrong or, you know, and just, just relax in my own skin, be comfortable in my own skin. That's what I would have to tell myself. (laughs) Yeah, It's so true, Carrie. And I like what you said about just not always knowing what that outcome is. You know, I think we, we miss a lot of things in our life because we can't see the full picture. We can't see the end result. We aren't willing to take that risk or take a step if we don't know exactly what it's going to look like. And we think, okay, God is just calling us to take our steps and leave the outcomes up to him. And when we do that, we, it takes the pressure off of ourselves because we realize the outcome is not even my responsibility anyway. You know, God's going to take care of the outcome. He just needs me. For sure. He needs my willingness. He needs my obedience. He needs my yes. And then he's going to just script the rest of that for us. And when we can think that way, we really can relax and it's less people pleasing and it's less, you know, it, it just takes the pressure off. For sure. That way. For sure, girl. So, okay, Lisa, what would you tell the person right now that maybe feels like the Lord's put something on their heart to do, whether it's writing a book or speaking or acting or whatever it is, uh, politics or (laughs) teaching or whatever it is, you know, what would you say to those people? Yeah, I, I would almost say really what I just said, you know, I had to learn how to really trust the way, um, I knew that the Lord was speaking to me. And and I tell the women, even in my own church, it looks different for everyone. But I recognize now that nudge. I, I always call it a nudge because it's the way the Holy Spirit nudges me that you need to take a step. And I say, when that nudge is recurring in your life and it doesn't go away, then you are going to have to be willing to recognize that that's God. That's how he's speaking to you. He's nudging your spirit and he wants you to do this. And you can spend your life ignoring that or you can... Like say, okay, Lord, I recognize that this is from you and I'm willing to take a step. But those steps really do have to come from, and it's whatever you're doing in your career, a job change, a relationship that you're afraid of, restoration, politics, which would be an awful thing to have to do right now. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Do it. You're right. But all of those things have to come with the steps without knowing the full outcomes of, of what it's going to look like. Because we know that when we step, how often do we make a step and head in a direction? And we're women who plan what everything should look like before we take a step. So we're <laughs> like, you know how you'll, we pray a prayer to God, but we've already answered it in our mind. We know mm. how we want it answered when we pray it. But so often it doesn't, the answer doesn't always come or look like what we pictured in our head. And then we, oh, we cause ourselves to think, well, I got it wrong or I didn't do it. You know, I missed it or whatever. When we have to give God the freedom to answer our prayers the way he wants to answer amen, and to leave the outcomes up to him and just take those bold steps into the plans that he has for us, knowing that each day 
he's going to reveal another part of what we're supposed to do. We, I think we just have to be, you know, I believe in visions and dreams and, and goals, but I don't believe in, in, in creating exactly what that's supposed to look like. There's got to be some freedom. So mm. I would say you're just going to have to take a step without having that full picture and, and just start to move. I tell women all that, just take one step. One step moves you closer in that direction, and then you'll get another step, and then another step, and another step. And then eventually, I think he reveals bigger parts to us, you Amen. know, and the more obedient we are with the smaller steps. And so For I, sure. I think women just really need to live in that place of moving forward with that mentality in their minds. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, God never does anything, anything the way we think he's going to. And, you know, <laughs> I, I had dreams of when I was younger, like, you know, I graduated high school and I thought, oh, I'm going to meet my husband and like Barnes and Noble. I'm going to be studying and I'm just going to meet him and he's going to sweep me off my feet and, um, you know, we'll date a couple <laughs> years and then we'll get married. But then, you know, I met my husband on a blind date and we got engaged three and a half weeks later. And then... <laughs> I, you know, I, anyway, and now we've been married almost 14 years, but it's like, that's not how I planned it, God, <laughs> but I'm thankful, <laughs> you know, that's right. Not at all. It's usually just not exactly how we planned it. Right. It's, it's so much better when you get on the other side of it and you have to allow yourself, you know, situations that you get on the other side of. And if you never move in a direction, you never get on the other side of anything that you really want to do. If you want to write a book, you really are just going to have to get started. You can't plan six months to find the perfect title for your book before you can write it. Mm. I see so many people that do that. I'm like, no, you write and the title will come and it will change, right. you know, a dozen times before you get to the end. But we get stuck and think all of these perfect things have to be in place before I can take this step. And it's the other way around. It's steps first and then perfect things fall into place for us. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. And, you know, I, I say this all the time, too. It's like, you know, when Jesus healed the blind, you know, he there's an instance in, in Scripture where he's spitting in dirt, essentially, and rubbing it on their face. Like, that's not something I would do. <laughs> but, like, Jesus, like, you know, he God does not do things the way we think, but he always exceeds our expectations, and he takes the yeah. unlikely things and uses them in powerful ways. And I just love the Lord so much for all that he does with that. Um, what would you say to the one that maybe is feeling a little discouraged right now because, you know, maybe they did take that step and maybe things aren't looking the way they thought. Like, what would you say to that person? You know what I think the most powerful tool with discouragement is in my life? It is not staying isolated. Mm. It's surrounding myself with some people that I trust that I being really to willing to tell someone, listen, I'm discouraged and this is why, or this is happening. We have to have people in our life that we can, that know what's going on in our life. You know, people that we can trust. I, I, you know, I call it a squad. I just, I think that we, the more isolation hits our life and the more we think people aren't going to understand or I'm embarrassed, it, it's just when it's like a breeding ground for doubt and discouragement Mm. and quitting and all of those things. But when we can, allow people in our life. And even sometimes you know, when, when something is so discouraging to myself, like when I was writing the book and I was super discouraged and I thought, I, I can't do this. You know, it definitely had those moments. I find that when I will 
number one, don't isolate myself. So I have people I'm surrounded with I can talk to. But then I find somebody else to encourage that's doing the same thing. Even people I don't know. Because the more, when we start to encourage somebody else, it's like courage just falls back into us. Mm -hmm. And it's like helps us get over that discouraging. So we have to have people in our life. We cannot isolate ourselves. It's killing the community among women, this hiding that we do. And then we have to be able to be willing to encourage other people, even when we're not feeling it ourselves. It's one of the greatest ways to, to fight the discouragement in your own life is to pour into another person. I mean, and Jesus showed that model. Oh, he yeah. was always pouring into people, even though we know he was facing great, you know, discouragement and things in his life, just what he had to endure, his own feelings and thoughts. So, um, yeah, I definitely think that that's a, that's the tool that I use in my life. And I think it's, I think it's good for women to have that mindset. I love that Lisa. And yeah, definitely important to have, you know, you see those shirts all the time, like squad goals. And I saw this like Mm -hmm. little meme the other day that it was Jesus with the 12 disciples and it was like squad goals. And I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> so I love it. It's so true. <laughs> I named the last, the wrap up part of my book squad goals because you know, I just, that's, that's what it was to me surrounding yourself with the people that you need in your life. And so it was super fun. Yeah, for sure. Well, Lisa, I just want to say again, thank you so much for being on the show and how can people like get a hold of you? Um, through a website or email or anything like that, that, you know, if they would like to book you for a speaking engagement or they want to find out more information about your book, how could they get a hold of you? Yeah. So I, they can visit my website, which is lisajgoins.com and you can buy the book there and it comes with a gift with purchase. You can also purchase the book courageously uncomfortable on Amazon. So super easy there, of course, just hit the button and it's on its way to you. Um, and I'm also on Instagram as Lisa J. Goins and my email and contact information is in both of those places. And I love to connect with people. And so answer all the emails and messages and um, just always look forward to hearing from, from women. So it's one of the things I love about this life. Yeah. Well, you are just such an encouragement and, um, you know, I definitely want to encourage people to follow you on Instagram. You're so encouraging, uh, I just love you and your message and, you know, what the Lord has put in you to share. And I thank you again for being obedient and doing what he's asked you to do. So um, thank you so much again for being on the show. And you guys check her out. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on today. It was awesome. Oh, thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.